Welcome, friends of the universe. We are Soul Women. We are three 20-something-year-old women working towards growing and learning in our spirituality and life practices daily. We have come together to talk all things adulting, learning more deeply about our own souls as well as others, and to give healthy insight on how to live a life of wellness. We work together to have relatable conversations and hope to help promote a lifestyle of inner peace while also maintaining our unique life perspectives and advice. So let's get started. What's up, Whistlers? It's Lexi here with another epic episode of the Why She Whistles podcast. And today's episode is with a past Duluthian who moved to Louisiana to get her yoga teacher training and so much more. I got to interview Callie Nielsen today, and this conversation is epic. We talked about uh, asking the question, what will make me joyful daily? We talked about moving and choosing how to rebuild your life, finding people who match your soul, spending alone time as an extrovert, the power of self-touch, what yoga teacher training looks like, friendship and energy vampires, and her morning routine and what her non-negotiables are to get her started for the day and so much more. So let's dive in to this episode. Callie Nielsen, welcome to the Why She Whistles podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Lexi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> All the way from Louisiana. Where it's toasty and there's palm trees and I'm pretty sure the humidity is probably above 75% today. <laughs> Still not used to it. It's sunny here in Duluth, but there's a blanket of snow. <laughs> Still. See, I miss that. I'm like, this is the best part about moving away from the snow is that when you visit, you're like, you can enjoy it fully and then you can choose to leave. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, so that's probably a good place to start. Where, why, how did you decide to move from Duluth to Louisiana? What you doing down there? It's, um, it's kind of a long story, but I feel like to summarize it all, it kind of had its little markers along the way. But one of my biggest reasons was that I knew I needed to go somewhere warm, just climate-wise. Minnesota was kind of getting to me. And, you know, the seasonal affective disorder, like what's coined sad, I felt that to an extreme. Like it was, it just felt unfair. And I felt like, you know, five months out of the year, I was struggling to even feel like myself. So I was like, I need more vitamin D in my life. So we knew that we were going to go somewhere on like the southern part of the U.S. And then I started looking at yoga teacher trainings and uh, applying to certain ones and asking if they did internships or work study programs because that would narrow it down even further because those yoga programs are uh, like teacher trainings are not cheap so I was like if I can even get like a work study because then I get one more one-on-one time with a teacher yada yada you and I ended up getting this great opportunity down here and one of the reasons I applied to New Orleans was because I visited a lot over the last two years. My partner, Albert, um, lives down here. 
And even though we still live in the same city now, we are still very much long distance when he goes on tours with the band and everything. But I felt comfortable here. I felt like I had already built a community of friends and people that I could rely on. I could see myself being very inspired here. And I just knew I was ready for a new chapter of my life. Like I could tell, and there was like a physical tangible feeling that my time in Duluth and in Minnesota was coming to an end of its chapter. So doing that. And then I knew I wanted to start music somewhere. So why not go to like this city of soul and jazz and music? And I can tell you one thing, there's not a day that goes by that, you know, you can't hear a band playing down the street and where there's not inspiration around every freaking corner. That's so beautiful. And I think that the big thing, the big theme of you being here is uh, just think bigger. Like we're going to encourage some people to think bigger because if you're in Duluth, you're around a bunch of wellness, you're around yoga, you're around art and music. um, And you got your vocal. What, what degree did you get at UMD? Yeah, so I actually did a double major in music um, with a vocal emphasis and then speech and language therapy with a minor in psychology. And that was another that played another factor, because once I graduated, I decided that I didn't want to go to grad school for speech language therapy because I wasn't going to be happy. It wasn't going to fulfill me. Yes, I'd be good at it. Yes, I would make good money, but I wasn't going to be happy. So I think that was the first time in my life and like through college that I actually sat down with myself and I was like, what do I need that brings me joy? And how can I like sneak that into every aspect of my life? Like how can I essentially make every day working towards my goals and my happiness? Oh, that's such a good question to ask, especially because you had, you know, what looked like very successful, very, you know, happy, positive, joyful life here in Duluth from just following you on social media and seeing you with the Laura Velvet band and playing around like, yeah. And so I think it's important for a lot of people to know that even if your life feels like this is what success looks like, but you're not quite feeling it yourself. There's always a next level that you can get to. And I, I just, Oh, like moving away is such a big life thing too. Like I moved to Duluth, not really knowing anybody and you, you, you do it, you just do it. And then you thrive. And I think that's beautiful that you get to do that in Louisiana. Yeah. I think with that being said, the key point there that I would want to make is like, follow your intuition. Your gut is not lying to you. The more that you listen to yourself, the better and like the more in tune you get with your soul, your goals, your dreams and how you get there and not being focused on like a five-year plan. Cause that's something, that's a trap that I fell into for a long time. And, and I was like, yep, I'm going to do this because like, that's what will make me successful. I'm going to do this. And then you, you end up getting sad along the road because something didn't go as planned, even though, you know, it wasn't a bad thing that happened, but it wasn't in your five-year plan. And so I kind of threw away that whole notion of having a long-term plan. And I'm like, well, I know that I want to be happy. And I know that like, I have a broad goal 
of saying like, I want to be a healer or I want to help people. And so whatever falls in line with that, I'm going to be satisfied with, but it's the things that fall in this 24 hour period. Like what can I do today? That's going to get me closer to being a healer or helping people. Oh, yes. Uh, So part of your big journey and we talked about this before with is spending a lot of time alone on this new journey it's a lot of like self-reflection time and time enjoying yourself and maybe digging deep what was that piece of moving like oh my gosh digging deep is just like yeah living in uh, living in a state especially because it's like yes I have friends here now but when I first moved here I didn't have a lot of people that I could reach out to on a whim and say like hey let's grab coffee on Wednesday or something because my life in Duluth I was so social like all through college I would I would have described myself as being 97% extroverted you could have looked at my Myers-Briggs and like this girl is not introverted a a teeny little bit and uh, so when I moved here I all of a sudden was spending so much time alone. And honestly, I felt like I was depressed. Like that's what my initial reaction was. I was like, am I depressed? Cause I want to spend time alone. Like I don't want to go out and, and, you know, try to meet new people randomly. And which there's two sides of that coin. Like, yes, it is good to go out and like expand and meet new people. And I know that I'm good at that, but I think I started getting more specific on the type of people and the type of relationships that I wanted to foster because I had so many relationships in Duluth that I had the opposite problem where I was like, I'm not getting any alone time. And, and I would get frustrated by that because it wouldn't allow me time to reach my goals. And I was like, I have too many friends. <laughs> there was a point where I was like, how did I have, I was like, how did I make so many friends? Because, you know, once you have those relationships, you don't want to give them up. But I think now, and like when you move more into um, your adult life and when you're going out on your own, you're not in college, you're not in classes with people that you have to see every week. You have to make an effort to see certain people. And so the people that I've found here are really people like my best friends from back home where we can pick up any day of the week or like even if two weeks, three weeks go by where we haven't seen each other and we can still pick up and go. And it's kind of like the people who really, you know, match your level of, of, of soul. That's kind of how I want to say it. It's like if, if you match on the same level of your goals and what motivates you, what's your drives, what your interests are. Like I'm really attracted to people who go listen to music. But yeah, so I had to start spending more time with myself to to really learn what I wanted to do here and what kind of mark I wanted to make. And I started working a lot and that was taking a lot out of my hours. So all of my free time was being spent making music or, or practicing yoga because I started my teacher training in October. So once I started that, all of my free time that I had outside of work was going towards music and yoga and, uh, and studying for like my, my doula stuff that's in the future, but I still want to like keep bringing that information into my life in little bits. And I kind of forgot about the fact that I didn't really have a social life. Like I would FaceTime with friends from back home, but I wasn't really branching out a ton here. And that felt really weird to me because 
my entire life, I had labeled myself as an extrovert. I was like, I need people to give me energy. And then as I did some deep digging, and that's why I, I encourage anyone who is listening, who does, who identifies the same way as an extrovert, like do some soul searching, like dig deep and ask yourself like what really, what you really need and what brings you joy. And, you know, if you can't sit for your, sit with yourself for, for a couple hours or if you like, like say meditating, meditating is scary to some people because they're like, I don't want to go into the deep, dark parts of my brain. And I think I took the opportunity when I moved down here to do just that, like my meditation practice, which was usually like, you know, four to five times a week. Like I did it when I could, I made it a non-negotiable and I started meditating every single day and, you know, being here and Albert was here for the first month that I moved before he went on tour. So it was really nice having that connection when I first came down, but then like my grandpa passed away and I wasn't with family and I felt really, really, really alone, but meditating and like keeping in touch with my practice and still just like doing the things that I knew that I needed to do. And then, you know, I was still around people, whether I was at work, whether I went to go like go see music or something, but it really taught me to, you know, step back and take a deep breath and know that you don't have to let anxiety seep into that space because being alone can be a massively creative space if you let it be. And if you learn to work with yourself. So for me, if I'm by myself and I don't have goals set within that time, I will dilly dally. I will procrastinate the shit out of my free time. But so I really learned how to use it in, in a, a great way that allowed me to reach my goals and study and be productive. But so yeah, be alone. <laughs> it'll, it'll make you productive. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good point on, okay, if you're around people constantly or you're at your job, somebody's always telling you what it is that you have to do, what's on your agenda. But when you're on your alone time and you get that creative freedom, it's like, okay, this is potential artistic time for me and whatever that artistic time means, but it's my choosing. So if you are alone and spending that quality time with yourself, you're going to make something amazing just because you're inspired. And if you're scared to be alone, then you're going to resist that alone artistic time and, you know, be searching for something else or scrolling on social media, which isn't really alone time because then you're putting other people's words and thoughts and things into your alone time. But when you can really spend time, shut off your phone, don't call anybody, put on music that you love, that's your choice, and just get get down with yourself <laughs> and your time. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's, yes. It's magic. It's, it really is. You would I not believe how much time um how much of my website and how many of my blogs have been written in the bathtub <laughs> oh no I totally believe that yeah. yeah I completely believe that well I think with spending time with yourself too and why so many people are afraid of it is because they they don't have like the self-love techniques built up to to like last during that time because really it's not just you it's you and your ego 
spending time together. So it's like, you better learn how to get along and how to tame your ego. Because if you're doing something creative and you're like, oh, this sucks. Like I'm a terrible artist. I'm a terrible musician. Like, why am I doing this? And then you spend three hours of your free time going down in this negative mental loop. That is not productive. And that is going to leave you with a negative feeling and like a tension that lasts physically in your body and your mind throughout the whole rest of your day. So I think another thing that I never used to do, but, you know, I started giving myself like facial massages. I got into like gua sha, which is like a facial um, massage technique and then like doing yoga. And so I'm like incorporating these certain practices. And so like, I know that I am feeling loved, like, like overboard loved by myself. And it feels like a lot at first and it feels really foreign because we're not used to giving ourselves love. Like if I'm scrolling Instagram and for some reason I start going down this loop in my head or I know that I'm scrolling and it's not beneficial for me, I will throw my phone down. I will walk myself to the mirror and I will start doing positive affirmations in the mirror and looking myself dead in the eye. And I was like, that's your ego talking. You know what you're worth and this and this and this and this. I think we have to stop our, our negative. Oh, I love that. You're the only one in control for like keeping your ego in check. This is true. Ooh, yes. Uh, so many things on that. One, what is gua sha? Is that how gua sha is something new that I'm, yeah, gua sha. So it's like, it uses, um, basically it just uses like stones or crystals that are smooth and then using it with like different oils. And so it's like massaging your face in certain ways, certain techniques, um, to just like rejuvenate and and, like increase blood flow to your skin to reduce your cortisol levels and increase oxytocin. Um, yeah. So I was like, give yourself a nice massage. Can you spell that? So we can all look that up. I think it's G-U-A and then S-H-A. I'm okay. pretty sure it could be something else. I'll, but I'll put some sort of Google it. link in the show notes because that sounds yeah. amazing. Because that's like <laughs> a whole aspect of self-love. Like, and I'll give myself neck massages. I'll like massage my own feet and I'll use like a ton of rosehip oil and I just feel like a million bucks afterwards. And I think it's the little things that count that you give to yourself. Cause you're like, well, even if I didn't have a super productive day today, I really gave myself a lot of love. And that goes a lot farther than, you know, getting a paper done or like getting something that's on your to-do list done. Yeah. Oh, and the, the sad part is, well, I think that as maybe a norm in society, it's like, we're expected to give, give, give. And if we're giving to ourselves, that's selfish. Like self-care just recently has become like self-care isn't selfish. And now we're realizing like, hey, it's normal to love yourself. It's not like egoic. Like you should have self-love because then you can give more to other people. And even just touching yourself Touching yourself is taboo, but like giving your mas- yourself a massage and like loving your own body, looking yourself in the mm-hmm. mirror in the eyes and like, oh, that's powerful. 
Well, and like the power of touch, and there's so many articles written on this too. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's somebody else's hands or yours, but like the power of touch and like, even like giving yourself a hug, like and massaging your hands, massaging your face, massaging whatever it is. Cause yeah, I agree. People think, oh, you're touching yourself. Yeah. And they think of it in an automatic sexual way. But if we look at it as more of like you're rejuvenating your body, nurturing, it doesn't have to be sexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the little things that we have the power to do in our own homes with our hands. Our hands are so powerful. And I feel like the more you use that on yourself, the better you're able to do that for somebody else too. And just moving your body in a way that feels loving. So can you talk a little bit about your yoga practice and what inspired you to get that training and how your training looks? Like what is yoga teacher training like? Yeah. Um, So I've been doing yoga for... A long time I didn't really start getting into it till like the middle of my college career and even then and when I would do yoga you know in the first three years even four years of college I was it was basically just for a workout like there was no spirituality linked to it at all it was like am I gonna get a sweat on am I am I gonna burn calories because well for one reason like I had kind of a negative body image back then too and like most people do, which I feel like is just not fair because all of our bodies are beautiful no matter what state it's in. And then as I progressed and my friend Mar actually, um, Mariah Christiana, who just did her yoga teacher training coincidentally enough. And we have the podcast soul women. Um, so we started doing yoga a ton together for certain reasons. There was like, it was very healing at that point. And we kind of said a thing cause she hadn't been doing yoga for a while because of um, like a uh, romantic trauma in her life. And so we were like, okay, every day we're going to meet in the park and we're going to do yoga because she hadn't hopped on her mat in a, a month. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do yoga every single day together. And we did it in the park across from my house in the sunshine. And we like played music while we did it. And it just, it just like shot me into this beautiful state of joy and happiness. And it was giving my body, it's the same thing where it's like, you're giving your body love. And as I learned more and as I progressed more in my personal practice and I wanted to like get more flexible, I wanted to be able to get like, get in touch with my body and my mind on a deeper level. Um, I combined it with my meditation practice that was pretty consistent at that point. And with those two together, it would just became like a way of life for me. And, and I don't really know how to describe it other than it just, it just clicked. Like it just clicked in my, in my head. And I was like, if this is making me feel better and making me feel more mentally strong, then why would I not do this? So it happened after then when I was deciding to take a gap year, when I was still kind of on edge about, am I going to go to grad school? Am I not? I'll take a gap year and I'll think about it. Um, and so that's when we really started getting into our daily practice. And from then on, I was like, I am, I meant to do better things. I meant for more, I meant to be a healer, which I can say that confidently now, but back then I'm like, I'm, I meant to be a healer. It was almost like a secret because yeah. I didn't want people to think like, oh, like Callie's going to the hippy dippy side of things. 
And like all of my friends who like really know me too, they're like, you already do that for people. And like the conversations that I love having, like I'm, I'm not a surface level person. I'm like, I want to have deep, deep conversations. I want to help somebody even at college parties. Like I would be the person who would find the one like drunk girl crying about her relationship and talk to her about like her self-worth and things. And uh, perfect. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How to know if you're a healer, you're finding the person who's crying at the parties (laughs) or the dog. Yeah. Or the dog. (laughs) (laughs) exactly but so then it kind of sent me down this 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 journey inward and I was like what do I need what do I want to do in my life and how can I get there and I was like well yoga really changed my life like it really like helped me to turn inward and helped me to gain a better feeling uh about my body and my my mental state and I just want to learn more even if I don't teach I just want to learn more Um, It also paired nicely because at that point I had decided that I wanted to go in addition to like doing music, but um, to become a doula or a postpartum doula. And for those who don't know, a doula is um, a birth coach or a birth advocate. So like helping people have really empowering birth experiences, however they want to have them. It doesn't just have to be like a natural birth with no, like no interventions or things like that. It's whatever you want it to be. So then in my head, I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll do my 200 hour certification because that's required to do a prenatal yoga certification. So how long is that take that 200 hours? Uh, like 200 hours. month wise? Well, it depends. Cause some programs, uh, like I had a friend who was in a program and it was like an intense month. And so the 200 hours um, are like squished into those, into that month, which can be a lot. Cause it's a ton to take in. Um, cause it's not just like people think yoga and they think of just the asana or just the poses, but that is one of the eight limbs of yoga. So it's a very small aspect of yoga as a way of life. Um, and for me, like I felt drawn to it because I did want more guidance in my life. And like, I, I was never raised with religion and not that I'm saying I, I need one. I became more spiritual, um, throughout the years and you know if you say god and i say universe we're saying the exact same thing because it's all love and you know if i'm saying like divine energy or like that's how that thing works and you say that that's god's will that's the same thing and so i went from calling myself like agnostic to like more buddhist and then i just say spiritual now because it's it's always a whole mix of different things and i think that's totally within anyone's right to say, you know, this is what I believe and it doesn't have to adhere to a a Bible or, you know, anything in particular. But so, um, yeah, I wanted to do it and then eventually go into prenatal yoga afterwards. So then it's helping mothers and babies. And now that I'm in this training, I'm super excited to teach vinyasa. And uh, so that's what I'm saying. Don't make a plan because even me saying, oh, I want to eventually do prenatal yoga and I just need to do this 200 hour to be able to do that, those modules. And now this training is changing my life. Um, But essentially in yoga teacher training, you're learning about, again, the eight limb path of yoga, um, which includes many different things such as like meditation, pranayama, which is breathing and breathing exercises like that. Um, The journey inward, which has a whole different depth to it. And basically like, the last of the eight limbs is you're unified with everything. And so 
you start with the the yamas and niyamas, which are essentially like the moral restraints and the codes of conduct in finger quotes. Um, And after learning about all of these things and seeing how it was slowly impacting my life, because my program is eight months long. And so I do three intensive days each month and then have a month to study in between and then come back and you keep moving, which I like that better than doing say a month or two month intensive course. Yeah. I think that's important for people to know that there are different length options. So it's like, if you're a fresh beginner, but this is the path that you want to try to go down, try to get something more towards the year mark or a longer stretched out so that you can really, really sink into the practice on your own time too. And I think that's why this is so powerful for you. You're not just showing up to class and, you know, getting your homework done. You're like, this is becoming my way of life. It's really impacting me deeply. Yeah. And that's and like the two biggest parts of it that have really, and I think this is the thing that I always want to talk to people about too, when they ask about my teacher training is like the two like main pillars of it, which are like Abhyasa and Viragya, which Abhyasa means practice. So it's just keeping up with your practice. So if you're saying, I'm going to meditate daily, I'm going to do yoga daily, even if it's 10 minutes, like whatever your practice is of self-love, like keeping up with that and just keep going with that, not being attached, which then goes to viragya, which is non-attachment or dispassion. You're not attached to any outcome. So it's not like, oh, I'm doing yoga every day so that I can do this. It's like, I'm doing yoga every day because I know it's good for me. And I'm trusting that if I keep up with my practice, whatever it might be, that anything that I'm manifesting will come my way. And that hit me like a freaking truck because I didn't realize how attached I was to so many things in my life. And even when I was in college and I was attached to the idea of grad school so that when I was deciding if I wanted to go to grad school or not, for some reason, I was still feeling like a failure. And it wasn't because I was changing my life path. It was because I had set this idea in my head that I was so attached to. And so I was like, I can't be attached to anything. And (laughs) which can be scary, but so empowering. Um, Because if you look at it and you know that if I'm doing the things that feed my soul and I know that I want to accomplish this and this and this in my life. And I just keep making little moves and keep up with my practice. I know that those things are going to come. I'm not going to question that. So that's the biggest thing that I think this teacher training has given me so far. I still have three months left of it, I think. Woohoo! That's pretty cool. So to jump back a little bit about... Uh, when you were spending yourself, yourself time and now finding your friends, uh, how do you think, so here's my view of friends. I always struggled to make friends just as a young person. And I think that it was because I just wasn't at that vibe of people who I wanted to hang out with because I wasn't at that person that I necessarily wanted to hang out with like I didn't feel like the friend that somebody else would want quite yet and that alone time like and moving and finding myself in Duluth 
that that raise of my vibe finally raised me to meet those people who were on my same vibe. So for girls, for listeners who might have toxic friends at this point, and they might be attached to those friends, what kind of advice do you have about that? Um, well, I can speak for hours and hours on toxic relationships <laughs> because whether it's friendships or whether it's a romantic relationship, like toxic relationships, especially if you're an empath can be very overpowering and very draining. And there's a, it was in a, um, an ultimate health podcast that I listened to one time and they talked about energy vampires And for me, like I do really well with visualizing things. And so I was like, do I have friends that are like uh, causing me to feel drained afterwards? Because that's not a, that's not a healthy friendship. And I think a lot of people, when you're so used to having those relationships or you just crave friendship, you kind of settle for something. You settle for like a bare minimum and you put your happiness under the table or your needs, your emotions under the table in order to make something work. And for, for me in my past, I had a lot of friends that would not be very nice to me and I wouldn't speak out against them. I wouldn't stand up for myself because I didn't like conflict. I didn't like saying, Hey, that's not cool because if you're in a big group setting, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, if you have a larger group of friends and you know that if you say something and then you're like, oh, they're going to like, like bitch about this to them. And then it's going to get around here. And then everyone's going to think that it's my fault because this person always like tw- twist stories or whatever it might be. It's like nothing and no friendship is worth your, your happiness. And so I think just getting in, in the habit of, creating these self-love rituals early on because if your energy feels drained and you go to your room at night and you're just like absolutely wiped out of energy, start by giving that back to yourself and asking yourself the question, like, is there a way that I can distance myself from these people? Not necessarily cut them off. I have personally, like there's very few people that I have like actually said, I really like, I need more than distance. I need to not this is just not healthy. I can't really have you in my life. And I don't say that. I just kind of slowly distance myself, which is probably something that I personally need to work on anyways, is having that conversation, first of all, instead of saying, oh, yep, okay, I'm done. I'm just fade. Um, But it is being honest with yourself and saying, what do I need in a friendship? And is this person helping me feel supported, helping me feel loved, um, do I feel completely at ease and confident in myself when I'm with this person? Do they put me down? Are they being really selfish? Can I not talk about my problems because they make it all about them? And I think when you start doing that, you notice trends in friends that you choose. And for me, I had a trend of choosing friends that weren't always the greatest or weren't always there and they'd be very flaky or if I was in a bad mood or if I was sad about something, then they wouldn't want to hear it. Cause they're like, well, Callie, you're like, you're the happy one. You like, I don't know how to, you know, be around you when you're sad, which of course, like when you're sad, it only makes you more sad. Cause you're like, you only want me when yeah. I'm happy. What is, <laughs> and, uh, 
And so start, start tuning into the friendships that do bring you a lot of joy and spend more of your time with those people. Because if you think about it, we start adopting the mannerisms of the five people, four to five people that we spend the most time with. And it really reflects, um, or I can really relate to this because when I was in these toxic friendships with a big group of people, um, and not everyone in that group was toxic by any means. There's only a few people where I really did not feel confident, comfortable around, um, but they kind of had, you know, rain over the group. So it was really hard, mm-hmm. but I started viewing myself more negatively or I started thinking or gossiping about something more. Yeah. And I'm not a person that gossips. And so the fact that I felt like that was my only way to relate to the conversations that they were having was to gossip. And all of a sudden I had this whole like, whoa, 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 like step back moment because I'm like, that is not something that I want to become. And something needs to change. And when I did start changing that, you know, these same people were like, why aren't you spending more time with us? Like you're spending time like in your room or like kind of giving me, like giving me shit about it. But ultimately I was starting to discover what I needed in friendships. And I was feeling happier because I wasn't around the negativity all the time. And I remember in my head saying like, how, how would I ever, leave a friendship like this because I didn't want to leave the whole group there were only certain people that I didn't feel comfortable with so it's like how was I going to do that but it's take baby steps start by just distancing yourself start by you know spending time one-on-one with the people who really do bring you joy because then when you've built those habits and you've built those boundaries setting healthy boundaries is a good thing then the friendships that you make thereafter will fall into those guidelines that you have kind of set for you know, I need love, I need support, whatever it is that you need in a friendship. I've done this so many times where I've written down the top five people that I'm spending the most time with at that time. And it does change a lot, especially when you're in your own house and you're around your, your family the most, and hopefully they're supportive of you. And then you graduate high school or maybe you're in high school and you're around that group of people the most. And then you're moving like where you're at your job and then you're around that group of people the most. So I've done this so many times where I've written down, okay, who are the top five people that I am spending the most time with? How do these people support me? I've written this. How do these like, what, like, are there any negatives that I'm like conscious of and Is there a way that I can kind of flip the script on this? Like, is this person bringing up drama or is this person pretty negative? And then how can I, like, what can I do? What can I think about beforehand that I can kind of combat that with? Like asking how their day is and then just like lighting them up with like how thankful I am with how my day went or like something that they did in my life and just like flipping the script of is this person and their energy somebody that I want to be around okay if it is then let's support it and if it's not I've made a list of who are the five people that I want to spend the most time with like who do I want to learn from who do I want to be more like and this this is anything from mentors to your boss, 
to your family members, maybe it's your grandma. Like it doesn't just have to be friends who are necessarily your age, but it's any type of person who you want to relate to more and grow to be, you know, more like whatever quality they have that you're like, dang, that's some good stuff. I needed some of that juice. (laughs) Heck yeah. And if there's somebody that you see and you're like, wow, I really like the positive impact or like the messages or the words that they use. And knowing that that is not just like, if you see that on Instagram and your mind wants to say like, oh, like they're like that, like I'll never be like that. Like, and then you go down, like you get down on yourself. Instead, think of it as like, I am capable of anything. And they got there because of their mindset and the things that they're doing in their daily life that allows them to stay in that vibe, in that mindset. How can I get there? Well, yeah, yeah. just ask. More often than not, the people who are, just ask the people who are like standing up for these things and are big supporters of like whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's, you know, going on a five mile run every day, like everyone's got their thing and it might not always be obvious what your thing is or things. So reaching out, trying new things, asking, not being frustrated if something doesn't work and you still like feel down about something there. It's all in the things that you bring into your daily life, along with the people that you spend your time with. That just ask piece I love when people ask me like, okay, so you're a positivity coach. Like what, what does that mean? Like do do bad things, you're just expecting things to go right all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like bad things happen. It just means that I'm consciously thinking of why this could be good or what's going to come out of this. That's positive in my life. Like that's just a mindset that some people don't understand. But when they ask, it's so like refreshing to be like a click of like, hey, you can do this too. You know, you can add this to your life and it will help. And so somebody asking you about how yoga impacts your life and like you telling them, hey, it's not just about the poses. It's about the mindset and what you're doing daily. Like that is huge. And so... There is not just like a, a one fix, like one pill that fixes everything, you know, it's, and even people who do experience like depression and anxiety, it's not just medication that will always help. It's a, it's a whole conglomeration of things. Cause I support people who take medication too, but I think it's, you have to be making effort in, in more than just that area of your life, in your eating, in your, in your exercise in your mindset, in how you speak to yourself. But that was a, another thing I was going to talk about was on Instagram too. It's like who you follow. And if you're following people that you don't look up to or you don't admire and you're looking at their posts and it's like, it's not really bringing you anything, then, I mean, don't you don't have to unfollow them. But maybe when you're going into Instagram, and what I do with Instagram is I, I set a timer most of the time, um, like, whether it's like 10 or 15 minutes. And I was like, if I just want to like catch up on messages or scroll, because when I am on Instagram, I try to say if I'm not looking at poetry or yoga or something vegan related or like mindfulness, whatever it might be, then it's not really beneficial for me. It's not motivating me. I'm not even going to remember the, you know, hundred posts that I scroll past that are people just like 
oh, here's my cute plus one wedding date, which is like good for you. But (laughs) it's like, it's not really bringing me anything. And it's kind of just wasting my time um, if I'm spending that time. That's so good to know what what your categories are of, okay, what are you looking for on there? Mm -hmm. I think it really helps you like delegate your time within Instagram too or any social media because otherwise it can be a vortex that you just get sucked into. But that's why I set a timer because I really don't feel like I have any concept of time when I'm not, you know, when I'm not looking at a clock or something like that. And maybe that's. Yeah. Negative. And then you're picking up on those toxic thoughts. I think that awareness, uh, awareness of what your thoughts are around whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's Instagram, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your yoga practice, whether it's with your own time, just awareness of, okay, how is this making me feel? What is this making me think? Are these thoughts supportive of me and my journey? So that's, that's a big overarching theme to to this talk today (laughs) welcome to our (laughs) TED talk but yeah I mean I ask myself a lot of those like self-reflective questions a lot daily and there was um like one of my projects that I did in my teacher training and then I passed out these cards that had questions on them that bring you closer to your present moment and like your now your goals and and I wanted to share them with you. Um, but one of them is, and I literally post this right next to my door, like my light switch every day. So I see it before I leave and I'm just kind of checking in every day a little bit more. But the first one is what am I holding on to that I would be better off letting go? Uh, am I attached to things that don't support my practice and my growth? Where can I find ease? How can I bring more joy and happiness into this moment of my day? How can I live the highest, truest expression of myself every day? And what do I do consciously or subconsciously that sabotages my ultimate success? And am I prioritizing my self-care? And and (laughs) there's so many times, and I think just having this here as a constant reminder it really keeps me in check because other days it's really easy to say to yourself, Oh no, I can skip that today. Cause you're the only one that's keeping yourself accountable. But if you see something or if you like write your goals down on a piece of paper, you're going to, you're more likely to do it because you see it and it's just human nature to want to like check off a box that says I've done that today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so true. Uh, my my uh my quote that I have up a few different places I have it hanging and I just hand wrote it um I am healthy I am wealthy and wealthy doesn't necessarily mean like just riches or money it does because I think that the people with big hearts in this world should manifest all the abundance and wealth that they need to make a difference, uh, whatever that looks like for them. But I am healthy. I'm like, I have it. I have it above my light switch. I have it in my bathroom cupboard when I open my makeup, just to remember like, I'm healthy. I'm wealthy, healthy, like 
what is my mindset? Healthy, what am I eating today? Healthy, how does my body feel? Wealthy, what am I grateful for today? Like, what kind of friends do I have around? Like, that's wealth. So whatever reminder you can put up of like, just to check in with yourself. Those questions are beautiful. I love that, Lexi. Another thing that I think is a good thing to do that um, I probably only started doing this like, like a year ago, probably, but, you know, just randomly throughout the day, like if I, if there's a time of day where I feel, you know, if I start feeling a little bit low energy or something and I'll just like hold out my hand and list five things that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be big things. Like people think that they're like, well, I'm grateful for, and then they get stumped on the first one. But I'm like, I'm grateful that I have eyes to see beautiful palm trees out my window. You know, I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I have friends that I can call on a limb if I need to, you know, it was whatever it might be. I feel like that's also a really good way to check in with mm. yourself. And okay. So the science behind this of the law of attraction and the patterns that you give yourself is the part of your brain called the reticular activating system, the RAS. And this is the part of your brain that picks up on patterns. So you see when you get a new car, you see those same vehicles on the road. Your brain has a new pattern that it found. So if you're... Uh, if your like your conscious pattern is like I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty, I'm not strong enough, whatever that negative self talk is, if that's your only pattern, then that's going to be your overarching throughout your day, and the power of your mind and the power of the practice is that you can consciously change that pattern in your mind. And so listing off things that you're grateful for, and like it should be the little things like, I'm grateful for the steaming hot cup of coffee that I had this morning. I'm grateful for the shower that I took, like those little things. And then you, your brain picks up on that new pattern throughout the day. It's looking for those little things. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. That's crazy when you talked about that. And there's a um, a term that we use in that I learned in my teacher training actually called samskaras, and which is basically the negative mental loops that we create and the ruts that we find ourselves in after years of being stuck in these things. So that same thing that you were saying, where people say, I'm not good enough or I'm not worth this love whatever it is. And the longer that that goes unattended to, the harder it's going to be to dig yourself out. It is possible. It is always possible to like dig yourself out of a negative mental loop, a negative samskara. but it takes effort and it takes bringing in the little things throughout your day. It doesn't have to be, be these big things, but just here and there. And if you're on, if you're on a walk and even if it's, 100 degrees and the humidity is high. This is my Louisiana talk now. <laughs> and you're still like, I'm, I'm enjoying that I get to hear like the birds chirping or I'm enjoying that, you know, I have the ability to walk around my block because I live in a safe neighborhood. Whatever it might be, it's just, it's the little things. It really is. And somebody else can't give those to you. You have to give those to yourself. Mm. you can plant seeds but ultimately it's you're the one who's watering them oh 
Yes. Yes. And it's your eyes that see and it's your brain that thinks. So you should, you know, cultivate that. Hopefully it's things that you want to see and think that are good. Oh, beautiful. So can you tell me a little bit about like what kind of self-care routine if you have a self-care routine that you do throughout the day that like an upkeep routine that we can kind of tailor to ourselves? Yeah, definitely. So I try not to go like too crazy with mine. There was a point in my life where I had like a really insane morning ritual and it was like a three hour thing. And then when I got busier, like it was harder to upkeep. And then, so like as some things in there fell away, things that I didn't want to fall away, started to fall away a little bit. So I start thinking about it as what are my non-negotiables? So it's like, if I accomplish these things, then then that's perfect. And if anything else extra happens, great. But so my non-negotiables are as soon as I wake up in the morning and just as a precursor to this, like having a sleep schedule and a nighttime routine that allows you to get good sleep. And for adults, like we should be having seven and a half hours of sleep. Um, Like it's not eight hours anymore and it's not seven, it's not six or anything. It's seven and a half is like the optimum time for, for sleep. And then not being on electronics before you go to bed. Um, so really my, my ritual starts around 10 o'clock at night when I, you know, I plug in my phone, I brush my teeth, I, I floss and do everything. I put rosehip oil on my face and then settle into bed and I start reading. I read for about 20, 25 minutes until I start falling, like feeling my eyes get heavy, go to bed and I have blackout curtains. So, you know, I can't see any sun that comes in the morning and then usually I wake up whatever seven and a half hours is from the time I go to bed. So between six and six 30, um, as soon as I wake up, I well, Alvin and I have this routine together, but we'll slow dance together instead of staying in bed and cuddling. Because if you stay in bed and we have this bad habit of like falling back asleep. So I was like, I don't want to sacrifice that closeness in the morning. So what can we do instead? So we, we each choose a song like every other day, like he'll choose one day. I'll choose one day. So we slow dance in the morning as soon as we get up and then we meditate for 20 minutes and then do yoga for 20 minutes. And that's kind of like my intuitive flow for the day. I don't go off of anything. I just say, what does my body need? And it's super relaxing in the morning. Usually it's just a lot of cat cow, a lot just sun salutations to get my body warm. And then, um, Usually summer, but before I meditate, I try to like drink a big glass of water, um, not cold water. It's usually room temperature water because you don't want to like shock your, your digestive system. And then after yoga, I'll make myself a cup of ACV tea. So like apple cider vinegar tea with agave and cinnamon and like cayenne pepper to like really boost my immune system for the day. And those are my non-negotiables, really. And then anything after that is like a bonus. And throughout the day, um, I'm doing that same thing where I'm like, what am I grateful for right now? And then going to the mirror, usually if I'm putting on mascara, like doing my makeup, I'm saying my I am affirmations, either out loud or in my head. And those will come like pretty much anytime I look myself in the mirror. If I'm out to dinner somewhere and I like, go to the bathroom, and I'll look in the mirror and I'll remind myself of a couple of things. And 
I think it's because that became a loop in my brain where I was like, yep, this is just normal. What are those things? What is your reminders to yourself? Usually it's somewhere along along the lines of like, I am passionate. I am enough. I am worthy of love. And like, I accept myself. I am creative. I am authentic. I am genuine, whatever, whatever it might be for whatever situation or however I'm feeling. You know, if I'm in, um, like in a stressful situation, I like say I am peaceful. I am calm. I am, you know, I am, I'm not attached and I'm in control of my own emotions. So again, you can kind of cater it to what you need. And I think that's the beauty of it too. It doesn't have to be one thing or a set thing that you get from somebody else. Cause if it's the same thing every day, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think then you still feel empty in some, some other way because of something that might've happened. So just do whatever comes naturally. You don't have to be like, look up, like, yeah. what are some odd statements that I can have? It's like, <laughs> what do you need that day? So those are my non-negotiables. And then again, yeah, anything else that happens is just a bonus. Oh, so beautiful. My I am statements are I am safe, I'm secure, I am sexy, smart, and strong. <laughs> I love it's it. Like over and I love over. It. Say this during your yoga practice too, which speaking of like doing a yoga practice, and people ask me this too, they're like, Well, if you're gonna be a teacher, like what's your personal practice like? And I try to practice like and this goes in with my routine too, but it doesn't always fit because some things will always come up and so in addition to that, like 20 minutes in the morning, just stretching, like I'll try to do yoga and like go to class at least five times a week um, because I kind of like factor in, there's always going to be two days that don't work at least. And if there's a third one that doesn't work, that's okay too. Like you can't beat yourself up for, you know, not exactly following your planner or whatever you set because things will always happen. Or you might just need a day in to, to take a bath. And light a candle mm-hmm. and go to bed early. <laughs> you <Yes>. never know. <laughs> Be gentle with yourself. Perfect. And just because we've been name dropping him, um, tell us a little bit about Albert. <laughs> <laughs> so Albert Allenbeck is the love of my life. And he is in a band called Tank and the Bangas. He's a flute and saxophone player for them. Um, but yeah, he's, he's pretty amazing and it makes a great life partner and a great meditation and yoga partner as well that's beautiful and to have that relationship hey and to have the some people just don't think that that person exists for them and it really does really I didn't think it existed for me after I got out of my last relationship which I had a like a two relationships in a row that were pretty toxic and so after I finally got out of it and it was hard to get out of my last relationship but once I finally did I like I was like I'm not I don't want to date anybody you know I was kind of in this like anger stage of my (laughs) of my life and so I actually I sat down and I wrote a list of what I needed and wanted in a in a person and in a partner and it was a long list and that's when I realized I was really settling before like I was underselling myself by a million miles and I looked at this list and I remember thinking I was like you're gonna be single for 10 years (laughs) (laughs) and I was like 
that's okay though because it's like I don't want to sell anything <laughs> less than I deserve. And then within uh, like four months, um, Al came into my life, and we were both at these like very independent stages in our lives, and we started FaceTiming after um, after his show at the Minnesota State Fair and. Four months later, we were like, we need to meet in person and see what this is because you became my best friend. Because there was no like, oh, I'm going to try to be cute. I'm not, I'm not going to open up fully because I don't want to scare him off. I'm like, I'm an intense person. And if he can't, you know, put up with that intensity or even reciprocate it, I don't, I don't need that in my life. I, I went through relationships that I wasn't getting that same intensity back and it was really unfulfilling. So we did that and then you know two two and some months later here we are and it's still just as intense as ever and he crosses off all of my boxes and it's insane (laughs) so manifest your partner manifest your goals and everything in your life and it will come and don't be attached to the outcome like I said I thought I was gonna be single for 10 years (laughs) (laughs) some things are meant to be brought into your life it's beautiful yes it really is true. Just one day at a time. If you have a big vision for your life and you're dreaming big and you're taking care of yourself like you have been, things just bloom. And in they, yeah. they just bloom in beautiful ways that you never would have even thought about. Like beyond your imagination. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Thank you for that message today. <laughs> seriously thank you thank you for having me on here and like being able to share this too so where can we connect with you Callie so you can connect with me on Instagram I'm usually not on Facebook too much Facebook is like posting pictures for my grandparents half the time but um, you can follow my stuff on Instagram at Callie Sky, C-A-L-L-Y-S-K-Y-E. Um, I'm usually really good at responding to messages if you have any questions for me. Uh, eventually, I'll have a page coming up for my band that I have started that we have our first show March 15th. Uh, so more information will come out through there and same with like my yoga teacher or my yeah, my yoga teacher training and when I start teaching in May after I'm, after I graduate. So it's all really exciting. Beautiful. Fast time is flying. And the soul women podcast as well. Yes. Which, you know, we are, we're doing our best to record long distance with all of our busy schedules and all of us being in school and, and working and hectic scheduling, but we have some really great content on there and more coming soon. But yeah, the Soul Wound podcast is uh, myself and then Andy Hansen and Mariah Cristiano. And yeah, we just talk about a lot of relatable content and kind of the same thing with what we were talking about today, those certain things like toxic friendships and spirituality and holistic wellness and just bringing joy and peace into your everyday life and how to do that best yeah so I encourage anyone who's listening to go check those out too give them a listen reach out to us too yeah thank you so much thanks for bringing a little Louisiana sunshine into our day (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure there's too much of it here which is not a bad sunshine in abundance Thank you, Callie.